greetings. This is J.R. Dickey. I hope you're having a great day. But if not, hang with me. It's about to get better. Okay, today we're going to talk about a message in a miracle. You know, the book of John, as we go through it, is filled with signs, that is, miracles, that John recorded, he says, specifically to help us to believe in Jesus. Now, we're going to look at one in chapter 2, and let's begin. In chapter 2 of John's Gospel, he recorded an incident in which Jesus turned ordinary water into wine. He concluded with, verse 11, this beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. So this was the first sign. And John, being one of his disciples, says it specifically led him to believe in Jesus. So let's consider why. Verse 1, on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, it appears that this wedding took place the third day after Christ's baptism. Now, Mary, his mother, was there. Perhaps the parents of the groom or bride, or both, were close family friends or even relatives. Mary, as we will see, was a key part of this story. She was clearly involved in a supporting role. Verse 2 says, Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. In the short interval between his public baptism and this event, several devoted men had already begun to follow him. Some had been disciples of John the Baptist. The fact that Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding means that they weren't crashing the party. They were welcomed. So either they all knew the hosts, or the hosts were simply being generous and hospitable. If the latter was the case, they probably had more guests than they had planned for. And thus we read in verse 3, And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Based upon the comments of the master of the feast later, it's clear that Mary had knowledge of the situation that others who were celebrating did not. Perhaps she was what we would call the wedding planner. In any event, she knew Jesus could handle the crisis. Now, for a wedding in those days to fail in providing all the wine necessary would have been a black mark on all the hosts and would certainly show that their generosity was misspent. Verse 4 says, Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. John Corson, a well-known pastor, said, Some have suggested Mary's concern over the shortage of wine indicates she may have been a hostess at this wedding. The role of hostess at the Jewish wedding was usually filled by an aunt of the groom. Thus, this marriage celebration could very well have been that of Mary's nephew, the Apostle John. Hmm. If John was the groom, it would explain why he considered this beginning of signs as a turning point. John and Andrew were among the first of Jesus' disciples. You see, John the Baptist had pointed Jesus out to them specifically as the Lamb of God, the Messiah. Therefore, to have him come to this blessed event was a huge honor. But then to fail in the wine with the future king of Israel there, let alone the other guests, this was the ultimate humiliation. Commentator Ferrara said, None 
But those who know how sacred in the East is the duty of lavish hospitality and how passionately the obligation to exercise to the utmost it is felt can realize the gloom which this incident could have thrown over the occasion, or the misery and mortification it would have caused to the wedded pair. They would have felt it to be as, in the East, it is still felt to be an indelible disgrace. And Mary, who lived already thirty years under the cloud of suspicion that Jesus was illegitimate, could herself only suffer more shame. Have you ever been at a point in your life when after much personal tribulation, after having those around you put you at a distance, after submitting to the Lord's guidance and yet suffering the ravages of a rumor mill as a result, you just want the Lord to set things right? Surely Mary was in that place. She would have loved some measure of vindication. Perhaps her son would show now some masterful gift of leadership. Perhaps it was time for him to show himself. Jesus replied tenderly, yet firmly, and some have attested that the word he used for woman was a loving term. Others think that it's not the case. We cannot hear the tone in his voice, and that would be the determinant here. However, what he said after this and what he did spoke volumes. Jesus knew her concern. It wasn't just the wine. She knew who he was. She wanted the world to know as well. Ever tried to nudge God's hand when the time isn't right? Jesus said, It's not time yet. It's not my hour. She sought his glory and possibly her vindication. However, she didn't realize his road to glory led through Calvary. Now, verse 5 says, His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. Now, Jewish moms can be persistent. Just ask my kids. <laughs> but don't you just love the beautiful expectancy Mary had? She was definitely a woman of faith. Whatever in the Greek means whatever. She didn't know what he would do, but she was confident that he'd do something. This is where many of us do stumble in faith. If God doesn't do it our way or in our timeline, we simply give up. We need to keep a whatever attitude. No, not like the current trendy, oh, whatever, but the meditation of a submitted, hopeful heart. Whatever, Lord. Verse 6 says, Now, there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing twenty or thirty gallons apiece. Now, these water pots were to supply water for the washings usual at feasts. You see, the Jews were regarded ceremonially unclean if they did not wash both before and after eating. And this was done in a very formal manner, and was, as with the washing of cups, pots, and brass vessels, a ritual observance on which the Pharisees laid great stress. We have an idiom today, I, I think you've been drinking your bath water. This is kind of what these guests were about to do. However, in figure or type, a, a picture, Jesus was about to turn that which was part of a dead ritualism into that which gave joy and gladness. Now, verse 7 and 8 say, Jesus said to them, 
fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw out now some and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. Now, if I were one of these servants, my knees would have been knocking. See, Jesus didn't tell them what he was doing. So for all they knew, they were serving up ritual wash water to the head honcho of the feast. You know, you just don't expect good tips when you do that sort of thing. But they did it. And how many of Christ's servants need to do the same? No questions, no doubts. Just do it. That blessed whatever attitude. It's often when miracles happen. Now, verses 9 and 10 say, When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. Now many, many, otherwise excellent teachers launch out from this passage into the allowance for or the condemnation of drinking wine. Frankly, that misses the point. John presented this sign to promote belief in Jesus as the Christ, not as a basis for a moral posture. Whether you believe the wine was fermented or not, the fact is that the master of the feast immediately recognized it as the good wine. Now, Jesus didn't just supply wine, but the good wine, and this fellow recognized it immediately. It was distinctively better, what we call the good stuff. And this is a principle with all that God does. It's the good stuff. It's perfect. It's a mind blower. The lame man jumped and danced. The blind man beheld the glory of the Son of God. The demon possessed became a disciple. On and on it goes. It is simply the way he does what he does. When he made the world, the scripture says in Genesis 1.31, Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. Now, this is really thrilling. When you consider the resurrection and our heavenly home, thus, verse 11 says, like I said before, this beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Here's the point of the story. They believed. When John says his disciples, he's specifically including himself. And I'll submit that it wasn't simply the fact of the miraculous transformation, but the message in the miracle, the picture, if you would, that it portrayed. You see, John was a fiery idealist. He had evidently been well acquainted with the religious power brokers of the day. You see, when Christ was arrested and taken from the Garden of Gethsemane, it was John who got Peter into the place of Inquisition because he was, as John 18.15 says, he was known to the high priest and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. Yet having an inn with the highest religious authorities also seems to have led him to a disdain for the deadness of their traditions and their hypocrisies. Instead of following their teachings or aspiring to climb their religious ladder of success, he ended up following John the Baptist, who labeled these guys as poisonous snakes. 
So there, at the wedding feast, were these ceremonial purification jugs, six big ones. Now, six is the number of man in the Bible, and that's appropriate, for this whole deal of ceremonial washing was basically an invention of man, a sanctimonious enhancement to the notion of being clean. The Torah contains many references to washing, but this ritualistic washing that was in vogue was purely tradition, just like in the modern Seder, that is the Passover celebration. Jesus and his disciples didn't support it. In fact, the word says they were accosted by the scribes and Pharisees who said, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. So the message John saw in the miracle was Jesus taking that which was representative of a dead religious system, man-made traditions, and replacing it with that which represents joy. Ceremonial wash water became the good wine. To John and to all of us who have been fed up with the deadness of religiosity, whether Jewish or Christian, this speaks loudly of Messiah. And the message wasn't lost on John. It resonated in his heart. And you can almost sense him dancing in the background, thrilled inwardly. Yes, Jesus is the Messiah. His ways are not man's ways. He's not into this religious mumbo-jumbo. He's radical. He's real. He can even turn deadness into joy. Wow. If he can do that to water, he can do that to me. And that's exactly what belief in Jesus Christ does. When he becomes your Lord and Savior, he takes the deadness of a vain life and transforms it into the good stuff of love, joy, peace in their companions. It's the good wine of God's Spirit, and only Christ can make it. Jesus isn't asking us to believe in a religious system of traditions. He wants you to believe in Him. And when you do, there may be those who think you've been drinking your bath water. Ha! But you can just tell them it's the new wine of His Spirit. Now may the Lord grant you peace in the midst of any storm and whatever faith to trust him. Look for our next podcast and may you realize more of his grace today.